Hello, and welcome to another captivating episode of My Lived Experience. I'm your host, Omega Loyo, and today we embark on a journey of storytelling and resilience with our remarkable guest, Miss Lilian Ajuna. On this show, we provide a platform for individuals to share their personal journeys and stories, shedding light on unique experiences that inspire, inform, and challenge our perceptions. Today, we have the privilege of hearing Lillian's story, which centers around her life. Today, we have the privilege of hearing Lillian's story, which centers around her life's unexpected turns with cohabitation. She met the love of her life and moved in, but without the contract symbolized with a wedding ring, she found herself flat-footed when things began to fall apart. Here is her story. Thank you. I'm by the names of Arjuna Lillian, a mother of one, one daughter named Tumhechi Leona Gabriela. Uh, I operate a personal business of produce, dealing in uh, maize, rice, ginats, uh, in Perere, Namere in Perere, Gayaza Road. Okay, uh, Lillian, could you please tell us about your love story with Mr. Barnett? I met uh, Mr. Barnett way back in 2011. Uh, we were both working with Pepsi. We became friends, I think, for like two years. Uh, in that process of becoming friends, he asked me if we could move in. Uh, one morning, I wake up to a message on mobile money of around 1.7. He was requesting me if I could pay some rent for like three months and then uh, buy some furniture for the, some stuff in the house. So I bought everything and we moved on and that is how we started staying together. And of course, as two patterns who have stayed together for like five years, we talked about having a child. Yeah. Mm. Um, but you did share that you had some challenges and that you got some miscarriages. Could you maybe tell us about that? Yeah, during that process, uh, the first pregnancy, I I think when it uh, it reached around uh, one month, clocked one month and one month and a half around there, I got the first miscarriage. Uh, we didn't know that I had uh, I had a problem with my womb until when uh, we we we. We, I thought maybe it was because of much pressure from work. That's why I was getting the miscarriages until when I got the fourth miscarriage. Mm. That's when he opted. He was like, no, no, no. I think we need to see a special consultant. We came into Rubaga Hospital where we met with Dr. Chibuka. Mm. Uh, by that time, I, I had the fifth pregnancy for Leona, the, the girl that I have now. We left home, I was already bleeding. We came to Rubaga Hospital. Dr. Chibuka made some tests and he told me that uh, the baby is still there. We can mm. still save the baby. But because it was, a, it was a private clinic that we went to in Rubaga Hospital, we needed to, but it was like we need to, to make some insurance to to look for insurance so that we can be able to foot these bills because it was expensive, of course. You had mm-hmm. to pay per day for medication, for for sleeping, water, admission. So you had to 
go back to the to the company Pepsi and they had to make some insurance for me. I think I was there for almost a month in Rubaga Hospital. Mm. Then I was discharged and yeah. So when did things start to go sour? When did you separate? When did you and Banach actually end the relationship? We ended the relationship I think I was seven months pregnant. He didn't he had issues with my work. He said I was working late and uh Bennett had I think security reasons. He was insecure because the people I was the only lady and the people I was working with were all guys. So like would go to the field with my bosses sometimes we come back late. So he was like I can't stand that. You either choose marriage or work. I told him me I need to work. We I have to work. Because we have to support each other, we cannot keep in a relationship, and it's only you working. What if you got a problem? Where do we start from? So at seven months, uh, when I seven months pregnant, that is when he left. He even left Pepsi and went to Roofings. So when he left Hoima for Kampala, uh, we we some he somehow lost communication. So that is, I think, how we. we came to separate mm. Mm. psychologically did you feel that him asking you to stop working was controlling was in a sense controlling for you because as a woman you needed to work to support yourself so for someone to actually stop you from working did you feel you were being controlled in the relationship yeah of course as i felt as being controlled and of course as a lady there are some things you must provide for yourself not everything you must ask a man and i also had that thing in mind that for a lady to have everything you must work though you have a man who has money you must work because there are some things you need to provide for yourself which you cannot ask from a man so that is, i had that in mind I was like ah let him go let me work if he come he wants he'll come back after all I'm pregnant I have his kid he will come back and he really wanted the pregnant that he really wanted to have the kid so I was like he will come back maybe one day but for work I will not give up work I continued with my work mm. Mm. so you did share that um, after you separated you went on and stayed without Barnet mm. and you had the child and you were taking care of the child by yourself successfully for some good time mm. and then you just bumped into Bunnit could you tell us about this bumping into him how did it go where did you bump into him uh leona developed i think she was around 1 year and some months she developed a skin disease like her, her skin had allergies so I came to Agakan Agakan Hospital the one which is opposite Cham Towers. The, yeah that's where I came for treatment. So like when we were getting out to cross the road we bumped into Banetas with my friend and Leona. We bumped into Banet around that place. So he was like, "Hey you guys, you even gave birth." I told him, "Yeah." So he like looked at the kid. He said, "Hey, that this kid is too much of a mchiga." As like, "Hey, those are your chiga heads." Eh? Ah. <laughs> so like he's like hey you guys you are just spending a lot of money at Agakan to pay for that bill of the skin and what I was like of course it's expensive but I have nothing to do so he was like okay I am going to I'm going to do some insurance stuff and you'll get insurance for your kid your kid medical your kids medical 
bills will be secured and what. I was like, okay, that's no problem. It's like, I'll call you and we talk about it. Okay, so he promises insurance. Did you ever get this insurance? No, I didn't. When he called me, I told Dora, me, I can't go to this guy's place. He wants me to meet at his place. What we are going to do, we are going to a public place. We are going to get a restaurant in town. We go meet there and you're going with us. So I went with my friend Dora. But it comes in and is like, hey, but I thought you're coming alone with a kid. And we are going to my place. I told him, ah, I'm not doing what? I can't meet you in private. How do I trust you? I've not seen you in a long time. Mm. I can't. For your own security reasons? Yeah. So when he started talking a lot of nonsense, I couldn't stand it. I told Dora, let's get out of this place. So we got out and left. And I think I'd not seen him until recently when we started the mediation at FIDA. So I know that the insurance didn't come. Much later on, you became self-employed and you got your own personal shop in Nakasongola. Can you take us through that journey? When I stopped work, the man I had saved, uh, but the time I was working, I used to save for Leona in uh, UAP insurance. Every month I would put for 150. So I had, I think, saved only for five years and yet the... The policy was for seven years. So I went to withdraw that money from UAP. And it's the money that I started with the, with the, the business. business in Nakasongola. Then I also had I'd built a house that was on wall plate. I was like, now this house has been here like this for a long time. Why don't I sell it off and add this money? Go do business and I look for some other place. I buy a bigger land and we'll start building slowly, slowly. So that is the man I'd taken to Nakasongla. I started well. The fish business was doing well. We even took some fish to Juba. Then to Co- we got fish from Juba, took it to Congo. Uh, it was going on well until everything was impounded. Yes. Yeah. When they, those UPDF guys impounded everything, that's when I went back to zero. And I thought, now, nah, oh, things are tight. How will I pay this girl's fees, take care of her, pay rent, do what? Uh, I was like, now, nah, I don't know where I'm going to start from. So that's when I thought of approaching the what? The dad, after all those years. Mm. So that he can give me at least half, half half fees. Which and is I fair, because half. he's the father of the child. Yes. But of course, he wasn't buying the idea. And when you approached the feeder offices, um, you got into negotiations with the father of the child and there was a promise of 400,000 shillings yeah. to come to you every month for you to save up for Leona's school fees. Did that 400,000 ever come? No, he didn't. He, he, that is what he signed in the mediation, but he did not. I waited the first month, second month, third month. He wasn't paying. He did not give me anything at all. Yeah. Until when I... Kept, I think I th- I think I was over asking him for the money. He blocked me. He blacklisted me. He blocked me everywhere. And I had nothing that I could do about it just to send, to go back to FIDA offices for a court summon. And they summoned him. Okay. Um. Something else that did come out was the fact that he requested you for DNA evidence. Mm. So how... 
personally you shared that you knew that this was his child. But he kept on pestering you for DNA evidence mm-hmm. to test whether the child was his. Did you ever do this DNA test? We did not do the DNA test. When he talked about it, I told him, it's okay, we can do, we can, uh, you can always call me when you're ready and we go for the DNA test. The time would reach, I call him, I'll call you, I'll call you, he doesn't turn up. I even once joked with him, I told him, oh, well, the problem is money. Can I give you some, lend you some money and we do the <laughs> DNA test? Mm. He could not turn up. He just hung up. So even uh, the, the FIDA lawyer asked him, I told him, you have always requested for a DNA test. Before anything, can we do a DNA test? My vehicle is outside. I can drive you people and we go do the DNA test. But the guy kept on dodging until up to now. How did you meet Uncle Moses? I know that you reached out to Barnett's family alongside FIDA Uganda. Um, and one of his relatives, Uncle Moses, has been positive towards helping you, mm-hmm. trying here and there to help you. Can you tell me how did you meet this gentleman? Is it fruitful? Is there any fruition to the things that he's saying he will do? Uh, when I got the summon, I saw that the date for the for the hearing was approaching, yet Barnett had blocked me. I wasn't getting him anywhere. So Leona has a good mother in Kabale, where the Barnett's parents are. And the, the mother happens to be the LC one chair lady of the place. So I was like, I talked to the to Leona's godmother and she was like, why don't you send those that letter here and we and we send it to the mom. And as uh, Chance had it, they were all home. Even Barnett himself was there by the time the mother received the letter. So we sent the letter there, the mother received it, and everyone was in shock that Bennett had a kid that he was not taking care of. So that is when Moses called me so that we can meet up. And when we met up, I told him about the whole story. He was positive on helping. You know, he showed so much sympathy. He told me he will take care of the kid. I shouldn't stress myself. I shouldn't worry. But uh, the time he came for the reconciliation, what he was talking at that time was not what he had told me before when we had met about helping the kid. He had completely changed. So he was like, uh, you're going to bring the girl to Kampala and she has to go to a school that is near my office. So that is where we are now. Yes, and maybe just to take you back, um, Moses' help was not unconditional. It was conditional. Because he actually told you that he wanted you to come back and stay with them. So your independence as a woman, first of all, you were separated from Barnett. There is no relationship with Barnett at that point. So for someone to actually tell you that come back and live with us if you want any help for your daughter. Um, how do you feel towards this? How did it make you feel at that particular time? Did you feel helpless? What was going through your mind at that time? Uh, when uh, that day when Moses came to visit me and see that sh- my shop where my shop is, he came. He promised that he would contribute ten million. That is two two years fees for Leona. So he told me I can give you two years fees for Leona. You'll be using it as you're paying for her because your daughter has been taking care of her as the mother. So I was like, hey, as a, someone who, of course, I was happy. I was like, at least now my business will go, go back up. Of course. Ah. 
so as happy he came he visited with his son they sat so like around 7:30 he tells me we, we I'm, I'm, I'm not so used to this gaza road eh? you'll help us and escort us up to gaza we'll give you back some money to bring you back home i told him it's okay so like we get into his car he starts driving but of course during that period when I was with him when I was telling him about Barnett's story he became too emotional and he was taking like alcohol a lot of alcohol at the same time so in my heart I was like oh god will this guy really drive me and the sun safe by the way he was driving when we were on the road I was like Jesus will we reach we reached Gaza and instead of going stopping he gave a bow turn coming like from where we were coming from so I told him but you're going back to my shop he drove and we came so like when we reached uh, we were almost reaching my shop I told him to stop then I asked him I told him Moses You told me I escort you up to Gaza. I escorted you and now you've come back. It's like you we've come back you're going to close your shop then we go back. You come and go and you'll come back tomorrow. You come and stay spend a night at our place. You come back tomorrow. I told him, "Hey, how can that happen?" I told him, "Yeah, I cannot manage that." <laughs> so what I did, I told him, I got so pissed, got out of his car, closed it and walked away. So before I left he told me from today you should know that some of us are soldiers. So I told him now you're a soldier what have I done to you I don't haven't done anything. But we read he told me we read over things through the lines this is how he framed it. Eh? So deep inside my heart eh? so much was running in my mind. Mm. I was like, hey, this guy seems is heading to me, going to sleep with him. Then he gives help, of course, as someone. The way he was reacting yes, and the yes. things he was saying, I was like, okay, let me go. So, like after one hour, I called him to know whether they reached safely. He wasn't peeking. He only called the next day. I asked him, are you fine? Is nothing well? Did you guys reach well? Is like we are fine. He asked me, are you okay? I was like, fine. He stopped there. So in my heart when I called uh, Leona's godmother and told her she was like hey it seems he was testing to see whether you're like an easy woman or what but you've shown him that you're not that kind of person and which was very good Lilian so let's wait and see what happens so that's when like after the two weeks we had the reconciliation meeting and All right. Um when someone says that we are soldiers, it puts you automatically on guard. You get scared for mm. your life. There is an element of threatening you as a person, first of all, because you're a normal civilian. Mm. You wonder am I am I safe? Am I not safe? And then to actually have that statement coming from the uncle of your child, your own family member. Mm. I think that was extremely disturbing. Um something else that Moses did say that I would like to come out is He asked you if you had remarried. Mm. So was the help condition on you being single or belonging to Barnett's family? Would you would you still get help from them if you had remarried? Uh, I think for him because the way he brought it out when that period I was getting out of his car when he told me about him being a soldier. He told me he 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 told me in the way you're acting it seems you're married. Why have I told you we go close your shop and we go back and you don't want to go? Which means Lillian, you're married 
and you've been playing on my head. That's what that's how he commented. Mm. So, but would being married be a problem as a mother of a child because then that means that because you had a child for this family you belong to this family you see mm. i don't think being married should have had a problem or come with an issue so what does he say after i think for them it uh, they find it as a problem i think in their hearts they knew that if i'm married then i should go completely and take care of that kid so for them separation from the family means the child too is, is not, not cared for are. i think let, that is what they have let the new man that you've got actually take, take care, care of the, of what? the kid yeah. of the child which is actually extremely disturbing not so because this child is is a child of both families this child mm. should have a maternal side and a paternal side and if one party ever chooses to walk away both families and both sides should actually come together for the appraising of this child. Mm. So you did mention that now you have options. They have given you an option, Victorious. Why are you hesitant to take your child to this Victorious? I'm hesitant because I'm not it's I'm not guaranteed like this guy will take care of this kid forever sincerely. By the school where she is, I know even if I'm financially down, they can accept me to pay in installments because I've been paying them so well. Sometimes I would even give them fees for a year. Sometimes I would even pay fees for two years. So the headmaster and the rest of the staff in the school know, know me so well. Okay. And they could help me pay in installments. But now if I bring her to Victoria, no one knows me there. It's a new school, and if this guy pays only for one term and then disappears, then that is also disorganizing the kid mm. again sincerely. So mm. the question now is a question of security. Not that you're going to promise to take care of this child for one term or two terms, mm. and then what happens? Because, of course, if the child is in P4, there is P5, P6, S2. Mm. So for you, it is security to have your daughter in a school where you know tomorrow even if things go wrong yes i can also be able to take from there yes and um something else that i felt was important to mention is the fact that your daughter is actually being planned on being moved from where she is to a new place mm. near um, uncle moses's home office yes near his office so that move for a child who has been in school who has been cared for by your grand- grandparents the child already has a stable life but it's almost as though the help comes with proximity the child has to be near them um what do, what do you have to say about that if really if it is they are truthful that they will really take care good care of her they will give her the fees i wouldn't have a problem like maybe because i know the father hates her so much because i'm not sure whether the father can ever like that kid he hates her so so much he hates her because of the words that come out of his mouth and everything so if uncle moses really is a good samaritan and he he pays the fees on time and i see things are moving well i wouldn't have a problem him getting close to her what would as you as you as you're dealing with fida uganda what other things and costs would you like to actually place into your case because now i know you've narrowed down on school fees mm. but there are those things that will come along school trips transport things like that and with this family being the way it is right now and as a woman that is actually taking care of her of her children 
own a business, basing on a business. Mm. What what is your way forward? How do you think about it? Do you ever think about incorporating these other costs into this case that you have with FIDA Uganda? Yeah, of course, with time, like medical, uh, accommodation wouldn't be a problem. And some, at least some monthly allowance for her as a girl. You know, girl child has so many things involved. What would be your ideal situation? That, okay, if this happens, I will be happy and I will be content. If they agree to taking good care of her and the school of her choice where she feels she fits better mm. and we, we are contented and they are also contented, mm. yes, would mm. that would be the best for mm. us. So the question is one of choice, not for them to impose a school mm. and mm. impose conditions onto you, but to actually bring you on the table as a partner and as the mother of this girl and place your thoughts and your considerations and all your opinions like they actually matter, mm. not to act like we are paying the school fees, but because we are paying, you have no voice. Uh-huh. That, yes, they should also let us also air out what we want to them. So, at, you know, because reconciliation is between the two parties, you mm. agree and you everything together. works for years in terms with each other. Okay. If they could do that, then really would have no problem because blood is blood. At the end of the day, that is. Thank you so much, Miss Lillian, for joining us today. Welcome. And thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. How would you say FIDA has been a key player in your story? Uh, it helped me to to know at least the relatives of this guy. Mm. At least if you got a problem, you know even if they're not liked, you can be able to do what? That this is my girl's background. And with that, we come to the close of this thought-provoking episode of My Lived Experience. I want to extend our heartfelt gratitude to Miss Lilian Ajuna for her courage and candor in sharing her deeply personal journey with us. Lillian's story has offered us invaluable insights into the intricacies and challenges of cohabitation. And it serves as a poignant reminder of the many individuals who find themselves navigating similar paths. I also want to take a moment to acknowledge the invaluable work being done by FIDA, the Association of Women Lawyers in Uganda. FIDA plays a vital role in advocating for women's rights and addressing issues that affect women in Uganda, including those related to cohabitation. Their dedication to promoting justice and equality is commendable, and we are grateful for their support in bringing these important conversations to our listeners. If you feel that you have a problem that FIDA can help you with, please contact FIDA. Call toll-free on 800 111 511 or 0776-9870-28 or 0776-9872-299. You will not be charged for FIDA's services. My Lived Experience is produced by Radio Basket. <laughs>